Well, good morning. You can be seated. If we haven't met yet, I am Pastor Paul Dacus, uh, one of the pastors here and do the uh, student ministry. Yes, kids, you are dismissed. Look at them all scatter, scatter amongst us, run away. It fits in with the sermon today. I might need y'all's help. But yes, we will be, uh, I have my first note in here is that it will be a shorter sermon. Uh, I wrote that on Monday, probably not going to happen today. But what we do need to do is uh, get our fingers ready because we're going to be flipping back and forth a couple places uh, in Acts and uh, flipping around different parts in the Bible. So uh, first, turn to Acts 11. Uh, today's text will be Acts 11, 19 through 30. Acts 11, 19 through 30. Uh, and then also make a page or make a, a bookmark back in Acts at the end of Acts 7. Just getting you prepped for this. So Acts 11 and Acts 7. Today uh, we are going to look at a story. It's, I love it. It's a shorter text today. Uh, thank you, Scott. I don't know if you planned that, but a uh, shorter text for me to go through. But what a great story. Who here loves just a great story? If we, if we haven't met yet, I'm doing a lot of talking back and forth to you, and I need a little bit of participation. So I was thinking, what are some movies that you can think of that show the, the end, and then the rest of the movie is just coming back to the end? You know what I'm talking about, where there's the starting scene where it's a, uh, the end of the movie, and then the rest of the movie is actually just going back, or it's just leading up to that again. What are, can you all think of any off the top of your head? Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera, okay. Any other one? Band of Brothers. Ba that's a good one. Band of Brothers. Any others you can think of? Oh, Benjamin Button. Yep, that's good. Um, us elders and wives, we were just at the beach and we watched uh, Interstellar. I think I've brought this up a few times in, in different sermons. Uh, this is the sermon where uh, we go, we're going to be doing some ex expository preaching, but also the one that maybe you run from refuge because we're going to be talking about movies today. Never thought I would get there, but here we are because it's too good. We watched Interstellar, um, and that starts with an ending scene uh, where the, uh, who here has seen it? Okay, so it starts with an, with an ending scene of a ship going towards a planet, and then the rest of the movie is just leading back up to that ending scene. This is where we're going to kind of be here uh, in this text today, is we're starting with something that actually happened a while back. Um, Oh yeah, I was thinking there's, there's a, a scene in different movies where it's like, it's like pauses, and it's like, that's me. Want to know how I got here? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think the last one I watched was Sonic. That was the last one I saw where it uh, was that one. Um, anyway, we're not going to be doing an At the, at the Movies uh, series here at Refuge. If we ever start that, run the other way. Uh, there are plenty of other churches that do that. That's not us. Uh, but I do have a clip for you uh, today. Uh, it came from, I was watching, um, does anybody here tear up in movies more than others? I'm, I'm not too afraid to admit it. I tear up in some, I know Scott does. He was bawling during Interstellar. Uh, <laughs> the father and the daughter. That's uh, so good. I was tearing up the other day in the movie Star Wars Rogue One. And it, it's hit me many times before. And then we watched it again last night. The kids, I did not plan this. I already had it in the notes. Uh, the kids wanted to watch that because that's just where we were at in the sequence. And I love looking at movies with a gospel lens. You can look at a lot, you can watch a lot of movies with a gospel lens. There's some that you just can't, let's be honest. Um, but uh, who here has seen Rogue One? Who here, where are my Star Wars fanatics? 
Where are the people that hate Star Wars? Perfect, this is gonna be a great, a great clip for you. So let me set up the scene first and then we're gonna watch the clip. So this is, uh, so I think it's long enough. There's gonna be some spoilers, sorry, but it's, it's long enough, you should have seen it by now. Uh, the whole movie is a group of people, rebels, who are, uh, they are, they're trying to take down the Death Star. This is the big, bad uh, empire. The, the, the Death Star is what they're trying to take down. The whole movie is this band of just kind of ragtag people that are coming along, and they're, they're trying to find the plans to the Death Star. And there's countless different unnamed people who die in this movie, who sacrifice themselves, and it all leads up to this final scene where they get the plans, and all they have to do is get this word out, get it to this big tower, and then send it out and hope somebody hears the message. Hope somebody gets the plans to take down the Death Star. And there's tons of, again, we don't know who these people are. Most of them are just nameless people in the movie that, that sacrifice all to this one point. And then we're going to see the enemy. Who do you think the enemy is? He's going to come and he's going to try to foil this plot. And it's almost going to work. But the message gets on. You might see where I'm going with this. But here's the, uh, and it is a little violent, sorry. What is the last thing that, what does he say? He says, What's a, what did they send us? What did she say? Hope. So I love this. Like, again, I'm like, oh, that's the gospel. It's like, you know, the enemy's coming. He's trying to attack. He's like, there's nothing that's going to stop Darth Vader from getting there. He's Darth Vader. He just uses his hand. And, he, and so he's coming, and they've got this little thing that's so precious, and they're trying to get it. It just slips through the door. They bring it on. Now, was there any chance... If, when you're watching this movie, for those Star Wars buffs, we already know what's going to happen next. Is there any chance that those plans don't get off the, uh, the ship? What do you think? No chance. We already know how the story ends. We know that there's going to be the original Star Wars movie uh, where they have the plans that Darth Vader is there and all that. So we already know how the story ends. Now, why do I show you this? There, yes, there's, there's some ways to look at movies with a gospel lens. Uh, but it kind of leads into our story today. Um, anybody here like me where I need to like have visual, rep like, I need to see things to understand them. So hopefully now when you think, hopefully you don't hear when you think of this sermon, you think of Star Wars. But maybe when you see Star Wars, you'll think back to Acts 11. Uh, so we start where we know how this story ends. The whole Bible, we know how this story ends. Enough of this, let's get to the actual uh, text first and foremost. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back through it uh, in a couple different chunks. So starting in verse 19, Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, coming, who in coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
And when he came and found him, he brought him to Antioch. For the whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of, the, one of them named Abagus, or Agabus excuse me, stood and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This is the text we're going to be going through. Let me pray real quick. Lord, guide uh, my words today, even through flawed uh, examples. Lord, your word is true. Uh, Your word is perfect. God, speak to your people today. Keep me from error. May only you be seen in your word. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. So let's go back to verse 19, 19 uh, through 21. So here we see God's sovereignty in the persecution and the scattering. Verse 19, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, came, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also and pre- uh, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So let's kind of set this up. Where are we, first and foremost? So we're, uh, we're looking at the expansion of the church through persecution. Um, we're seeing how God preserves his word. We're seeing that we are, so we're in Antioch right now. This is, uh, think of Antioch as, as a melding pot. Well, the third, it was at the time the third largest city uh, behind Rome and Alexandria. Uh, it was known for pleasure. It was known, think of like the Las Vegas. It was kind of like a Las Vegas type place. And this is the first place where they're called Christians. It's interesting, isn't it? This is the first place that they were called Christians. We're going to see God's light shine even in the darkest pit here. So we see that there's already, it already started with persecution that arose over Stephen. Turn back to Acts 7. We're going to get a little bit. Acts 7, verse 54 is where we're going to start. I'm turning with you. Acts 7 Starting in verse 54, let me read this. I'll give you a second to get there. It says, those who were, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over, arose over Stephen. This is going back to uh, when this happened. Now, when they heard these things, this is in verse 40, uh, 54 of uh, uh, chapter 7. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Again, this is, uh, they're, they're doing this to Stephen. But he, that's Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out oops, me, yep, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. And, they were, as they, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So that's where we're at 
now. It says, because of this persecution, everyone spread out. They were spread out all, all around, all different places. Go back to verse 19. They're spread out, Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So many of them were talking only to their people. That's what it says. Many of them were only talking to Jews, only to their people. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who coming on Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. What are the Hellenists? Greeks, yep, Gentiles, yep, non-Jews. Preaching the Lord Jesus. So there was two types of believers here. There are those who preach to the Jews and those who preach to Gentiles. This is where we start to see them preaching to Gentiles. And I want us to take note here, so God is using unnamed people. There's a lot of names in the Bible, but here he's using unnamed people. It just says uh, some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. These were unnamed people. He were, they were uh, there who were spreading, they were spreading the gospel, they, didn't even, they weren't even named, but they were starting one of the most, if not the most, influential church that has ever existed, one from where everything else came out of. I'm curious here, who, can, who here can name uh, their great-grandparents? Right, show of hands. Who here can name their great-great-grandparents? Who here can name their great-great-great-great-grandparents? Now I'm just curious, Sue Ann. What's your great, 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 great grandparents' name? Let's let's just keep challenging her. What about the next level back? <laughs> so many of us can't, right? Uh, but that, that's awesome. Some of us go back into history. We we look back and we see our our what what? How did I get here? Anybody else wonder that? How did I get here? When the truth is. There's a lot of unnamed people, people that we don't, that we're standing on their shoulders of how we got here, and we don't even know their names. There's people who came to America that you don't even know their names, and you're the reason, or they are the reason that you're here today. We see this here, unnamed people spreading the gospel. Why is this important? Uh, we had a, there was a, um, a slide that I think Scott had a few, times, a few sermons ago that was talking about how God uses ordinary people to, uh, to complete his extraordinary means or something, purposes, something like that. And this is, we see this again here. God is using ordinary people. That is great news for you and I. It's great news. These are not people who are well taught. These are not people who um, have seminary degrees. They're not even preachers necessarily. They are ordinary people that know the gospel, that have seen it, that have heard it, and they're going to they're spread it to anybody who will listen. It's interesting. And I, I love that because that's great news for us. This, uh, and I, I forgot the person who said this, but I love this. I want this. If I, if I got, ever got a tattoo, I'd want this on there. This needs to be, as Christians, something that we need to take on. It makes people uncomfortable. It, we've been talking about this in our GC before. Preach the gospel. Die be forgotten. We don't like that, right? No, no, we want, we want people to know our names uh, a few generations down the line. Man, that person really moved the needle. That person, I, I'm standing on that person. No, no, as Christians, our job is to preach the gospel to anyone who will listen. Die and be forgotten. But whose name 
does not need to be forgotten. Jesus. These people were preaching Jesus. We don't even have a record of who they were, but we do have a record of what they stood for, why they risked their lives, why they were spread out, why they were persecuted, all for the name of Jesus, the precious name of Jesus. They were actually not even aware that they were doing anything radical. They were just spreading the good news. How does this apply to us today? It's dangerous sometimes to look at the church in, in Acts and say it, everything in there applies to us, but I do think there are many things, uh, because we are the church. We say that here often at the refuge. We don't go to church. This is not church. You are church. You are the church. I am the church. So how does this apply today? When we look at these people, that's you. That's you at your work. That's you on the ball field. That's you in the stands. Is there anybody I need to talk to about that? That's you in the stands of the Little League game, talking to other people. Who is that person that needs to know the gospel, that needs to hear the gospel? I know each one of us has that one person that needs to know the gospel, or maybe that group of people. But first, we need to know it. These people knew the gospel, and they went and shared the good news. What does it say? This is the best thing that you want to hear and the hand of the Lord was upon them. And the hand of the Lord was upon them. Two different ways we hear the hand of the Lord in Scripture. One is for judgment, and one is for blessing. In this case, it's blessing. The, Lord, or the hand of the Lord was upon them. Preach the gospel, die, be forgotten, just like these people were. Let's continue to verse 22. The report, uh, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, so this got back to the homeland. And they sent Barnabas, I keep wanting to say Barabbas, it's a totally different person. Uh, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So remember, so that we are, they're spread out. They've now come to Antioch. There's something big ha happening in Antioch. The word gets back to Jerusalem, and they send Barnabas to come back and see what's going on. And I love how we see this picture of who Barnabas is. This is somebody who we do know his name. We see him as someone who has come. He's cheerful, big-hearted. Do you guys have anybody in your, in your life who you can think of, just someone who is, who is uh, I don't want to say big, but yeah, but big Full, like, just a full heart, cheerful, glad, sees the work of the Lord and is, and is glad to see this? Is that you? Something that we, uh, we see him being is an encourager. Verse 23 says, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He was glad because he saw what God was doing. He was glad because the people there were in the spirit. They were living out the gospel. Remember, at this point, they're not even called Christians yet. Keep that in mind. But he saw what the work, he saw the work of the Lord and what the Lord was doing. I think this is happening here at Refuge. I truly do. 
You know, each week I, I hear all these different stories. Some of you send me these stories of what God is doing in your life, where you see, and, and, and I don't get any of them as, hey, pa- Pastor Paul, look at me, look at what I'm doing. It's always look at what God is doing through my GC, through my, ba- my baseball team, through my work. Look at what God is doing in that. A question that I have is, do you recognize the works of the Lord in your daily life? Simple question. It's too easy, and I think the enemy wants to numb us to, the enemy wants to numb us to thinking that there's just good things that happen in life. There's just good things. Let's just accept that. When every good work is of the Lord, everything in your life that is good and bad, God is either using it or he's the one causing it. Are you an encourager? Do you encourage other Christians? Do you, are you the one that comes and sees the work of the Lord and you encourage those? And especially, who is Barnabas talking to here? What kind, of, what kind of believers is he talking to? What do you think? What kind of believers are these? These are, these are well-trained, well-taught. Are we awake? No, these are untaught. These are, these are young Christians, and he is there, and he's glad. He's like, they're not perfect. They're not even uh, advanced. They're not mature. They're not even called Christians yet, but he was glad. He extorted them. That means it taught them and encouraged them to remain faithful in the Lord with steadfast purpose. Are you glad when you see the works of the Lord? Let's continue. Verse 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Let's, not, let's back up and look at what this really means. Uh, we're all aware that this was the first time they were called Christians, I think when I look back and read Acts, I'm like, oh, these are Christians. But this is actually the first time that they were called Christians. Now, what did, what, how did they get the name Christians? Well, it came from Christ. Duh, came from Christ. Cool, that's really profound, Pastor Paul. Came from Christ, but this was actually given to them uh, from outsiders. And so I'm, I was curious, what are some, what are some we, we, us elders were talking about this, it's harder than you think. What are some names that are given to people that maybe were meant to be a slight at them, but then were embraced? I'm really curious to hear what y'all think. What are some examples of that that are appropriate for church? What was that? That was one of mine, yeah, Yankees. It was meant as a derogatory term, and then it was embraced by people from the north. Uh, Go ahead. Jesus freaks. Don't make me start singing it here. DC talk. What else? Nerds. That's actually a really good one. Yep. He's a nerd. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I like that. Um, a couple other. Yeah, I had, I had Yankees. Somebody said that. Uh, Quakers. You know what Quakers are? So, the, so Quakers actually came from them, uh, them standing in front of a judge and rebuking them to quake or tremble before the word of God. So they're standing before a judge, and, and, they're, and they're saying, you should quake, you should tremble before the word of God. And they're, and they're like, oh, these Quakers, you know. Then it was embraced. One that Scott brought up uh, was a barbecue athlete. 
A barbecue athlete. I, uh, what, what exactly is, I mean, someone, it's the peak male physique in the South, is that right? Well, yeah, at, at a barbecue contest. At a barbecue contest, right, yeah. The what? <laughs> so, so Barnabas, essentially. Yeah, good. So this was something that was Christian. It's something that we use a lot nowadays. Any, everybody in the South is a Christian. It's either, uh, well, I won't even go there. A lot of people say they're Christians in the South, right? But what does it mean? This wasn't something that they put on themselves. It was something that was given by outsiders. So Jews wouldn't even use this for themselves because Christ meant Messiah. It means they had to recognize that Jesus was Messiah. So these people were known for following Jesus. Not just believers, but following Jesus, that they were following Jesus as Messiah. They were given this because of how they lived. Now, it, it's, it's going to be easy to take this, and I could easily say the point, are you living like a Christian, and put that on you. But instead, I think the, the better, better way to look at it is that Christians now and back then were about whose you were whose you were, not about just what you do, but whose you were. Because whose you were, whose you are, will change what you do. We can't get that backwards. That's hypocrisy. We have to first be, belong to God, belong to Jesus, and have him change what we do. And then the outside sees what we do, and then they know I'm a Christian. Does that make sense? That's how they were. They were given this name from outsiders. They were known as people who followed Jesus, but not just Jesus, but they believed he was the Messiah, that he is God. It was a, a clear identification with Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse 27. Maybe this will be short. Now in, the days of the pro now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Can we stop? Prophets are simply New Testament preachers, is what this is uh, talking about. Now in, the, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. My, my translation, parentheses, this took place in the times of Claudius, so this actually happened, which all of it actually happened, but it's putting a date to it. Verse 29, so the disciples were determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This is also the first time we hear about elders. First time that we hear about elders. Uh, does it say elder? Does it say elders? Plural. Keep that in mind. So Paul and, or excuse me, uh, uh, Barnabas and Paul, Saul, now are, they come back, they've taught for a year. Uh, a side note on, I, I, we were talking about this uh, at the beach, as, as the elders, we were talking about Barnabas and Paul, they, they, had, they had chemistry. So he went and got Paul, he said, look what, the, look what the church is doing here in Antioch. He came back, they stayed there for a year, they taught, they encouraged, they built up these young Christians, and then we cannot miss, this is a... Every, 
as we're looking back at the, at the Star Wars, who here just loves a good comeback story? I do. Man, I love it. Just like my Huskies came back last night against the dirty Oregon Ducks last minute. It was so good. That's probably why my voice was raspy today. So good. And here we see, uh, go back to, to Acts 8. We cannot miss it. It's, it's, a, it's a short verse. So I'm going to read at the, at the end of, uh, so remember, at the end of 7, there was the stoning of Stephen. Get ready for your minds to be blown, or at least mine was, even though I've read this a million times. It was still, my mind was blown by this. So they're stoning Stephen, and, uh, starting in verse uh, 59. Uh, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against him, against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, what's the very next verse in, in chapter 8? And Saul approved his execution. Even, I guess, uh, back of verse 2. And the witnesses laid down the garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. So Saul was there during the persecution of Stephen. Saul was there. And it also said that Saul approved his execution. All right, now go back to 11, back at the very beginning, 19. I told you we're going to be going around a little bit. So Saul was there. He approved the, execu- or the, uh, the uh, persecution of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen. And then now they were scattered. And verse 19 says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution over Stephen, and they traveled and they spread out. So Saul was there, and this is the same Saul that is now coming back to the church that he persecuted. Think about that. That would be like somebody, and then he's also being sent out. He's being sent out by that same church that he persecuted. That'd be like somebody coming in and killing Scott, killing me, maybe killing a few of you. Paul, it's you and Blake now. Uh, and the rest of y'all scatter. Hey, we're, gonna, we're doing Scattered Sunday. We're about to do this. Go to your GCs. And then something miraculous happens in Refuge GC. That's what it's now called. I don't know. Something happens there. And that guy that killed Scott and I is transformed and he comes back to Paul and to Blake, and he's encouraged, he's, he's, again, fully transformed. He comes back, and we now are, you now are sending that person out. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? What, what scandalous grace that someone who was persecuting the church, who came, who, who went away, who was transformed, who came back, is now the one he's being sent out. So I think about that in like, and again, dumb example, but the Star Wars, right? There's, the enemy is going to, he thought, like, at that time, persecuting Stephen, he thought, I've got him. One of Stephen, one of God's people, one of God's chosen people, I've got him. And he stoned him, and also Saul was there. But what he didn't know was that he was planting the seed for the church to spread. The enemy does not win here, my friends. The enemy cannot win. All along, just like we know how the end of that movie, what the, what the next step is, we know the end of this story. We know that no matter what the enemy does, he cannot thwart what God is going to do. In fact, when the enemy does this, it actually furthers the gospel. How does that apply to you today, that pain, those tough times? Yes, the ones that you're talking, that you know, that nobody else knows, the stuff that you've been through. I promise you God is using that. I promise you, if you are in Christ, he is using that for your good and for his glory, because we know in the end, good wins. God wins. 
I don't know, my mind was blown by that. Just thinking that Saul coming back to the church that he persecuted, now they're the ones that are sending him out. It goes all the way back to Genesis. If we go to, you don't need to turn here. Genesis 50, 20 says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Does that fire anybody else up? We can't lose. You can't, I mean, you hear tons of different examples of, of pre, or people who go overseas who are being in, in uh, places that they're being killed, their people are being killed. They're like, if you kill me, that only makes my sermons even more. It's like, like when an artist is killed, you know, or, or dies, it's like their stuff gets more valuable. If someone's preaching and then they get killed, they're like, wait, you should actually listen to him so it actually furthers uh, their preaching. So they're in, anyway, I can go on. It's just, it's awesome. It's so good, so good. God always wins. We win if we're in Christ. The worst things in your life, we will win, you will win. Death, where is your sting? To live is Christ. To die is gain. So I'll end with this. I love a good story. The Bible is one story. Everything in the past is looking forward to Jesus and this miraculous life, how he lived, how he lived the perfect life that we cannot live, how he died the death that we deserve, that he's risen again, making no mistake, he is alive right now, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And then everything where we are from the New Testament all points back to one thing, and that's Jesus. It's this miraculous, beautiful story. And this is maybe kind of pithy, but it's just something I'm just thinking about especially as we call ourselves Christians, as followers of Christ, not just believers. Are you part of this story? Are you being used? Are you making yourself, are you surrendering yourself to what God wants? So many of us, I talk to, to high schoolers and, and 18, 25ers often about what is your life gonna look like? I always show them back to preach the gospel, die, be forgotten, live for God's glory, enjoy him, be a part of this story because we know how it ends and what an amazing ride it is. I'll end with this, that embracing our Christian identity, as we've gone through Acts 11 and the, the previous chapters of Acts, we see this unfolding providence of God, God providing over and over, just like in that scene where there's that, the, the, uh, the Death Star plans and they're handing it. We already know it's going to get through, but it's like, what a miraculous thing. God is preserving his word, and he's actually spreading it. So if you watch some of the other uh, Star Wars movies, excuse me, it goes, it, that message is heard, it is spread, and there's a giant rebellion that, that rises up. In this, we see that the church of Christ was born, and then as we sing, the spirit lit the flame, and it spread among the nations. This, it happened even starting with the persecution of Stephen. We see that even today. It's very easy to think that we're losing. We see in America, they want to have this narrative that less people are coming to church. That may be true in some places. Um, we are not seeing that here. Uh, and it doesn't matter about numbers of people, but we're seeing in our students, in our 1825, in, in the refuge as a whole, I know that what happens here on a Sunday is only a small part of what y'all are doing in your communities, out in the world. And that has a kingdom impact, so keep 
on mission, and God is still winning. Lean in to your identity as a Christian. And I challenge us to use the term follower of Christ versus just believer. We talked about this before. The enemy believes, demons believe, but they do not follow Christ as Lord, as Messiah, as King. Are you following him in your daily life? What else does it mean to be a Christian? It means to recognize our utter dependence on Christ. Utter dependence on Christ. We are needy people. We cannot earn this. We cannot earn our way to heaven. It is on him and whose we are. It means understanding the sovereignty of God. That means that he is alone sovereign. He is overall. He is authoritative. He is in control of every aspect of our lives. And this is great news because if he's in control, that means it's not on you. It means we look for unity in the church. We look for unity in our culture. Racial barriers, social barriers... Just as they did in Antioch, they broke through not just Jews, but the Gentiles. Not just the people that are comfortable to talk to. That person that is uncomfortable. The person that you may face persecution for, that may reject you. Those are the people we bring because they need, bring the gospel to because they need to know it. In a world filled with uncertainty and turmoil, and we know there's a lot of that right now. I won't go into that. We all know what is going on. We must stay firm in the unchanging truth of the gospel. We must rely on Jesus and that he wins. I know it's, I mean, if anybody else has looked at the news recently, I know it's tough to see, is, is God really winning right now? It's tough, at least it is for me. But we know. We don't go on how we feel. We don't go about what Fox News tells us or what, or what Twitter X or whatever it's called now tells us. We go about what does the Bible say? Who is winning? Who is in control of this? Who is the one who changes the tides of war? Who is over war? We know that he wins in the end. There's no doubt that some of you are not in Christ this morning. And I beg of you, Ask questions. Look to him. If you seek him, he will be found. Ask us questions. I'm going to point you back to scripture. Start getting into this story. It's no accident that you're here today hearing my voice, that you're hearing the word of God. It's no accident that you're here. Let's pray.